I've been thinking about what I'd talk about today, and I want to talk about open house. Surprise, surprise, huh? <laughs> it is, uh, it's been sort of an amazing thing, and as the uh, time goes by, I remember the very first one. We fixed up the building, and we were we weren't quite done yet, but we were getting done. And so I said, we ought to have an open house because people would drive by and slow down and see what was going on. All the neighborhood kids would peek in the windows at us. And so I thought, well, maybe people are interested. Who knows? So I said, here's the first one we're ever going to have. Let's have an open house and we'll put a poster on the door. So I put a poster on the door. I think it said, you know, three hours Sunday afternoon from one to three or four or whatever it was. And I just stuck a poster on the door. And I'm thinking, well, who's going to read a poster and who's going to want to come? We had 375 people from a poster on the door. And I thought, wow, that's a surprise. That's something I got to remember. <laughs> And ever since, of course, we've been doing it. Uh, in the beginning, we did the history of the people on the window and the history of the church. And we uh, that was amazing because people then thought that we were a museum. And they started bringing me pictures. And you'll see the pictures around the walls here and there. And they brought me all kinds of stuff. The Shelby Mills uh, flower bags. There's one on each wall here. And I don't know when the Shelby Mills stopped. It was a long time ago. These were found under some old linoleum on the floor. And they brought them to me. Said, you want these? Yeah, I'll take them. So uh, people brought all kinds of things. And I got calls. And I had a history of the builder of the church here, Israel Sanborn. And uh, this young girl came in. And she was reading it, every word, and it was the contract for the church. So when he built the church, he made a contract with the people. And she read that contract. This young girl reading this contract, and I'm thinking, you know, that's not a young girl's thing. So I said to her, you're interested in that? She goes, that was my great-great-great-grandfather. Wow. I said, well, I guess you are. She says, you want a picture of him? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and she brought me the pictures of Israel Sanborn. You see in the other row, there were tiny little things in little gold frames. And we blew them up, and you see them in there. And those were taken in 1852. And as far as I know, that's the earliest photographs we have, 1852 of him. Uh, there's some that might be older, but I don't have a date. To go with them. So that's how it came a pet to pass. And then somebody said, well, I'll cook outside. And uh, Mr. Bacon was a cook in the army, and he had a little pot, and he cooked outside stew, served it to people. And when the pot was empty, he says, I'm done. I said, okay, good. <laughs> and Gail said, I got goats. Can I bring them? So we built a little barn over here. And the kids built a candy store to give out candy. And uh, then we uh, had people donate 
the wood shop that's over there. We built it, tore it apart, and bring it back, put it back together here. And so that was just the beginning of it. Uh, at that time, we were serving sandwiches and, and salads. That was a lot of work. And our friendly uh, health department, who went to our church, uh, said, you know, when they come to a hot dog, nobody cares what happens to it. So you can leave it out all day and they'll still eat it. I said, okay. <laughs> sounds like what I want. And so we went to hot dogs ever since. And that was a lot less work than making salads. And so <clears throat> it has changed over the years. But from it, there's been a lot of different things happen. And I'm going to tell you the story today of something that happened probably 10 years ago. Uh, maybe a little more than that, not much more than that, that happened to me because of Open House. And uh, it was a kind of an amazing thing. <clears throat> I was uh, a foreman in the warehouse for Pepsi and Batavia. And for a long time, I sat on a forklift eight hours a day, as fast as I could go, <laughs> eight hours a day. So it was like a part of my body. And we bought them from a place called Clark in Buffalo. It was a Clark lift dealer. And so we bought them there, and they sent their uh, mechanic to come and help and fix things whenever they needed. So uh, I got to know him real well. And then uh, his name was Kent. So I said, well, it's Clark Kent. From now on, you're... Now on, you're Superman. And we called him Superman for a long time. Uh, but we had something happen between him and I. Uh, I drove my forklift, like I said, like a madman all day. And I came to him and I said, something wrong with this forklift. He's listening. He goes, nothing wrong. I said, yes, there is something wrong with it. I don't hear anything wrong. I said, I'm telling you. There's something wrong with it. And I explained it to him. He said, well, that would have to be a head gasket. I said, well, I'm just telling you. He said, all right, I'll check it. And he said, you were right. It was a head gasket. And I heard that sound every time it happened for, you know, six or seven years. And he came and changed the head gasket, and we saved the forklift over and over and over again. So he got to trust me pretty good. And then uh, the, the owner of his company would come and talk to me. And he said, you're a good man to have on the inside because you keep us in here. <laughs> Otherwise, somebody would throw us out. I said, yeah, well, we're good. So uh, one day I was telling Superman uh, about old-fashioned days. And he said, well, maybe I'll come over. I said, well, come on over. So I told in a Sunday school class, just like this, the week before, I told people that Superman's coming next week. Well, he parked way down the street, and uh, like we had people doing, Louie was driving a golf cart. And Louie drove down there, and he got in the golf cart, and he was talking. He said, well, I know Eric. I work with him all the time. And he says, are you Superman? He said, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so Superman came to old-fashioned days. And, and uh, that's how we were pretty good friends, real good friends, actually. Well, the owner of that company, uh, I talked to 
once every two months he'd stop in and talk to me. And then they had a salesman. The owner's name was John, and the sales was John Jr. So I would talk to those people. And after that first open house that Superman came, he told all of the people he worked with, apparently, that he had a good time. He ought to go over next year. Well, next year came around, and I think half the company came. They were all over the place. People I had never met before, but I talked to on the phone. You know, parts guys and office girl walked up to me. I'd never seen her in my life. She says, Eric, how you doing? I'm thinking, I don't know who you are. And then I heard the voice. I said, I know that voice. And so there was a whole bunch of them came from Buffalo to open house. And I'm, it was one of the years that we had tug of war down the village. Here's the owner of the company. He's pulling on the other side that I am. I said, come on, you, let's go. And so we had a tug of war, and uh, they talked about it. But what they found it the most difficult to grasp was that I was a pastor. They said, you're, you, you're the pastor? Yeah, I know, it's hard to believe. I can't believe it either sometimes. <laughs> but uh, he... <laughs> He was fascinated with that, and they were all fascinated with it. Well, before they all came on that open house, Junior, John Junior, came in, and he would come to see me. He said, I'd like to take you to lunch. And I said, okay. And so he took me down the street to lunch, and I started talking about... um, how the church came to be and what we'd done, bought the old building and fixed it up. And something happened there that I cannot explain. To this day, I can't explain it. Um, When you talk, when you're preaching, when you're uh, asking God to help you, there's a certain feeling that comes over you that the Spirit is here and God is helping this work. And it's a feeling that you get in your heart, and you're very uncomfortable if you don't have it. (laughs) But it's a strong feeling that you get. Well, I went to lunch with John Jr., and all of a sudden, I was impressed like I have never been impressed before. I still remember to this day, God was saying, talk, talk to him, talk to him. And I didn't. I didn't know what to say, and he didn't know what to say, so I just started talking about the church, and he said, yeah, but how do you ever get to be a pastor? I said, well, I guess God wanted me. So uh, we talked through the lunch hour, and he was big-eyed, and listening and listening and listening, and he didn't say anything. Well, Sunday at open house, he and he sat right there in that third pew. And he listened wide-eyed as I preached a sermon. And I think they must have talked about it at uh, Clark Lift for a long time. Uh, I cannot explain what God was doing. Because he never came up to me and said, "I I want what that is, I want all those things. But it's something that happened as God 
made a movement and brought a whole bunch of people here from Buffalo. I, had, I really had only invited Superman. And I don't think he invited anybody, but he just uh, must have talked about it because he was a pretty good talker. And he talked and talked about it. And there's a, half the company wandering around the grounds, and, and I'm talking to him. And it was a very uh, powerful moment that I cannot explain because you don't always know what God is doing. You know he's there, and you know you've been put there for that moment. And so I'm sitting in the restaurant and talking to him, and he was just flabbergasted. I don't think he'd ever been to church. I don't think he attended any church anywhere. I don't think his father ever did, but he came to this one, sat and listened here to the sermon. And I often ask myself, I wonder what that was about. Why was the Spirit so strongly impressing on me what I should be talking about uh, here in this restaurant to John Jr. And I talked to him many times since then, and he's never said anything about it. But as I was thinking about this, I got thinking to myself, it's time for me to go find him. He always came to find me. He came to the place where I was working and came in and talked. And we visited a lot of times. And I thought, something that God was doing, and I don't know what it is, and maybe it's not done yet. Maybe it's not over yet. But maybe that initial contact was made so that in the future sometime. So I got a plan. I'm going to go in and find him, see if I can find him. And I think I know right where to find him. And if his father's still alive, maybe we'll go see him or whatever. But we do what we can. And so it was a moment that um, you can't explain. You can't explain what God does. And God was preparing me to do it. And I did what I thought I should. And I talked to him. And he didn't ever respond back. But it must have got talked about an awful lot. Somewhere. Somehow. Some way. And so that's one of the things I want to tell you about Open House. Uh, it's God using you for you may not know what may not know what and that particular open house the first one when Superman came and then the next one when he brought all the guys from Buffalo uh, it was kind of amazing to me at, and I can't think that it's done yet now Superman died and when I first met him, he was the craziest character you ever met. I mean, he, I didn't know what to make of him when I first met him. He'd jump on a forklift, and he had his van inside of our shop. And he'd jump over the forklift just for the fun of it, shove the forks under the tire, and pick up the van sideways. 
I said, what are you doing? He said, ah, just playing around. Pick up his van, drop it down. I said, this guy is nuts. <laughs> and uh, his wife uh, and him separated. And he had been an interesting fellow. He had taken in people and adopted them as his children. And uh, one of them was an Indian. And he had more trouble with that kid. And he did his best. And he would help me. I was, <clears throat> I had my well went, my well pump went. He said, don't worry, I got one. He brought me one the next day and gave it to me. Well, he needed a car, and I had a car. I sold him the car for next to nothing. He come and got it. And so we always helped each other, and it was a good thing. And then uh, I heard that he died. Well, before that, probably about five years before he died, uh, he married another lady. And then he came in one day, he said, yeah, well, in church Sunday. I said, what'd you say? <laughs> he said, well, in church Sunday, my wife makes me go. I said, well, good, there's nothing wrong with that. And he started talking about church. I don't know exactly where he stood, but I have a lot of hope that this new wife that he got uh, was gonna help him to get over something and to, to believe, and I think maybe she did, I don't know. He was digging in his front yard, digging a hole, trying to fix uh, a leaky pipe and dropped over dead. Had a heart attack and dropped over dead. I went to the funeral and I sat in the middle of people that I didn't know and then I closed my ears and I began to recognize voices all over the place. And so I started going around talking to people and they heard my voice, and I heard theirs, and we talked. And that uh, was the most frustrating time, because here was a guy who had spent his life helping these children that he had adopted and done everything for them, and all they could say about him was, eh, he worked too hard. <laughs> so I kind of left there very frustrated. I said, I wish I could have done that service. I had told him he'd work it for you. He's working for you. So I don't know what happened to Superman, and I'm not sure why I got hooked up with John Jr., but I did. So in God's work, it's not like, here, go put this screw in that hole and you're done. It's not like that. Uh, as we start a work and we continue it, and who knows how long it'll last. Did Superman come to believe? Well, something certainly changed him because he married a young lady who was regularly in church. And I wouldn't have thought he'd ever done that. <laughs> and so something was a change on him. I hope that my influence and this church's influence had something to do with that. But there's one still out there that I want to go find. And so when we do the work of God, um, it's different than other work. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes a lack of forgetfulness that we remember 
that God is working and we got to find out how he wants it done. So that's one of the events, there's been many of them, that's one of the events that comes to me in my memory as I wondered what God was doing. And I'll give you one last little story that you might have heard before, but uh, just as a happy ending. <laughs> there was a little fellow who came here in the very beginning when we were serving salads and sandwiches out here, and he was a little short guy, and he wore like very odd-looking pair of shorts and kind of an old T-shirt. And he came and he ate like it was, he was starving. And so the lady says, man, he eats a lot. I said, well, maybe he's got nothing, so let him eat. And so next year he came with exact same clothes on, exact same clothes, and he ate. He ate like a champion. And so they said, well, he sure appreciates food. I said, well, good, feed him. Let's feed him. Well, then when he moved over there and started serving hot dogs, he ate a lot. And he, and he brought a little clasp, remember the little change purses with a clasp on it? And he'd have pennies in there, a couple nickels and dimes, and carry it around, and put his pennies in, and eat, and eat, and eat, and eat, and eat. And a lot of the ladies commented to me, I think he's starving. I said, good, then let's be the one that feeds him. Well, then came this day, it was old-fashioned day, and he was there with the exact same clothes he'd been wearing for 10 years. And he came and he said to me, I lost my change purse. I knew exactly the one he was talking about, this little green one that had a little clasp on it. I said, I'm gonna go up to the tent, I'm gonna tell the ladies, when you come up, it's free, okay? Now, they wouldn't have cared anyway. They would have done that anyway. I said, but I'm going to go up. So whatever you want is free. Don't worry about your change purse. I can't find it for you right now. <laughs> who knows where it's gone? And I never did find it. But you always had, who knows, dollars worth of coins in there or something. So I said, it's all free. You can have it. So he ate really good that year. <laughs> in the wintertime... Uh, he lived up by Lake Ontario, and uh, the Nesbitts knew him because he was their neighbor. And Steve came and he said, you know that little guy? I said, yeah, I remember. He came here 10 years in a row and must have ate enough food for an army. He said, yep. He said he died, and they went in this little shack where he lived, and there was one and a half million dollars in the shack. I said, well, no big deal. We fed him for free. <laughs> and so that was kind of, I kind of like that story because it shows that we have a different motivation. We're not in it for the money. If he w wouldn't pay for his food, it's okay. You can still come to East Shelby. And one last little, then I promise to stop. Uh, somebody came. We had people would come and bring a box, fill it up with hot dogs, jump in their car and take off. And so people weren't happy about that. And I said, well, if something happens, come and see me and I'll think of what we can do. 
So they came and see me. They said, there's a kid. And he took a whole box, uh, like a, a can flat, full of hot dogs, and took off. I said, which way did he go? And they pointed over there. So I said, I'll go look. So I went over there, and on the wall, the stone wall, there was sitting a lady all by herself with kids around her, a lot of kids around her. And so I went up to her. And I said, how are you doing today? She says, I want to thank you. I said, thank me for what? She said, uh, I have 10 children that I have adopted some, and some of them are foster kids, and I take care of them. I can't go anywhere because it's too expensive, but I can come here. And I said, perfect, perfect. You have all you want. We're happy to help you to come here. So uh, that's just a couple stories I could go on for hours, but I've said enough. Uh, next week, maybe we'll have a new story. Thank you. Thank you.